Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Let's start gentle. I'm a feminist, but when I found two white hairs in my head this week, I had a full-on meltdown and I had to take stock of how many hours of my life I'd wasted, like watching shit horror films sleeping, talking to people I don't like. And then I realized that it's been my childhood dream to be rogue from X-Men. Nerds, thank you. And it's all good now, it's fine. I'm a feminist, but I really like the word bitches. And sometimes I have to stop myself from walking up to my girlfriends and instead of saying hello, saying, what's up, bitches? Or at the end of the night, instead of saying goodbye, saying, fuck all you old bitches. <laughs> I never say it, but I often want to. I never do, though. I hold myself back because I'm feminism embodied. Yeah. What I've just realised is that every time we've met in your head, you've been like, hey, bitch. <laughs> A little bit. Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Go in danger zone. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but like late at night, like deep, deep in the night, when it's just you and yourself and the constructed reality. I think about the women who voted Tory over the last eight years. And I think for a moment, for like a solid 30 seconds, I convince myself that they have to be robots. <laughs> like they just are robots. There's no turn on that. I just believe it to be true. <laughs> I told you, it was the danger zone. As, as we always say at The Guilty Feminist, if you're a Tory, you are welcome to change. <laughs> if you're not clapping, we can see you. They might just be not clappers. Don't. That's like... true, fair point. I don't clap, because I am sad all the time. <laughs> just all the time. So I understand other people have other reasons. My bad, I apologise. You're not a Tory. <laughs> I think if people are Tories, they don't think Tory is an insult. So it's not like I apologise. So you're a to I'm so sorry. I didn't mean that you're a Tory, and they're like, no, I am a Tory. Like, but I feel like what's great about that is that I come away satisfied that I like burn someone, and they come away not hurt at all. So it's like the best equilibrium at the end. I'm a feminist, but I justified buying these red patent leather boots I'm wearing as women's march protest boots because I thought they had a punk aesthetic. And I haven't been on one march since I got them. <laughs> I told my sister that in the shop that we were in Melbourne. I was like, no, they're my protest boots. She was like, you're buying special protest boots. That seems super capitalist. And I was like... Okay, these are confessions, guys. So that's... Are people going to shout capitalism at me now? Like, 
I am... Capitalist. Yeah. I am, of course, we're all capitalists. All of us. Speak like, yourself, mate. <laughs> I Where have no want... money to be a capitalist. <laughs> do you want me to donate your fee tonight, though? Shut to... up. <laughs> <laughs> My last one. It's quite sweet. Uh, no, it's not. It's awful. I'm a feminist, but regularly, and I want to say like one or two times a week, but in reality, one or two times an hour, I often use historical grievances against men who've oppressed women in general and like the history of the patriarchy to not do any housework. <laughs> it's not my job because my people have suffered. Yes. Your so people you have do put... it. Listen. We've got 10,000 years in the bank. Yeah. And we've got a lot to withdraw. Every time we go to the cash point for housework, it should come out at us because we've invested. Yeah. When they go to the cash point for housework, nothing comes out. They're in overdraft. Yeah. So they need to put it... They've in been borrowing from us yeah. for the ten, housework. 10,000 years time. of housework they need to put in the bank now. Yeah. So I say women stop hoovering for 10,000 years. Yeah. <laughs> if anything, I'm helping to lower his housework deficit. You are doing, I'm doing that for him. everyone a favour. Yeah. I'm a great person. It's fine. But feel free to use that every day for the rest of your life. Indeed, indeed. I'm a feminist, but recently I went to see a documentary in a cinema about the history of feminism in France, asking the pertinent question, how did we get to a point where Marine Le Pen is possible? And it was so boring and French... <laughs> I started to imagine being at some big United Nations dinner for feminism that I was obviously invited to for my good work. <laughs> with... <laughs> with President Macron sitting on one side of me, whispering in my ear in French, and Justin Trudeau sitting... otherwise known as Bay, sitting, <laughs> sitting on the other side of me, whispering in my other ear in French-Canadian. <laughs> Both of them whispering some pretty dirty stuff. <laughs> and me just sitting at this super formal dinner, whispering, we, 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 egalite, sorority, adultery. I reckon 50% of the audience are going to think of that tonight as they fall asleep. <laughs> the other 50% are going to think about the robots. <laughs> I feel my 50% of the audience are going to be happier tonight. I, listen, Depends free, what kind of robot. Feel free to use any of my I'm a feminist butts for your own personal wank bank. I, I, feminism is about sharing. Like socialism. It's about sharing. It's the same thing. Take any of mine. I don't mind. I mean, I'm not using them all of the time. I feel like that's weird. If I was using it and you were using it at the same time and I knew, I'd feel a bit dirty. But if it's any other time... You don't need to don't tweet, tweet in. Yeah, don't tweet in. Don't tweet in and say, I'm using it. Do you mind if I use it for the next ten minutes? No, yeah. it's fine. Just, just do it. Just have agency. Live from the Soho Theatre. All right. the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. 
How was your week been if you had more of a guilty week or more of a feminist week, Bisha? Uh, I was feminist as fuck this week. Were you? Yeah. Feminist as fuck. Yeah. Bisha K. Ali, um, please tell. Firstly, I voted. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, I offered to drive other women around to the polling station. I say offered on Twitter and no one took me up on it, but I did it. Still, like still it was counts. in the world. Still counts. Yeah, absolutely. That was pretty feminist. That's pretty fucking feminist, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I believed in myself like two times. <laughs> and, and it almost paid off with the results. We were so mm-hmm. close. I saw something that said it was like he was off by 2,700 and something votes. It was hardly any votes. So, mm-hmm. if the Tories get rid of Theresa May, which evidently they're going to... She Who came knows? out. She just came out, she just came out and did that speech like as planned... <laughs> a strong and stable government with the DP. And, and everyone's like, what? Sorry? She didn't do any. Like, obviously, this didn't go the way we wanted, but she didn't do that. They always no. do that. She just went, our friends, the DP. Oh. Like they planned Boo. it. Yeah. Boo. If you're not from here, we don't like the DP. Um, so we've both done challenges. Yes. But first, before we do the challenges, I really want to bring our guest on because she's super cool and she's from America. I know, I know, I know. It's very exciting for us here in Britain when we watch movies and stuff. Although we hear that America has taken a little bit of a handmade tale's turn, feminism-wise. So please make her feel extra welcome while she's in a country that doesn't have Donald Trump in it. Uh, she is a fantastic comedian. I don't know if any of you saw her show this week at the Soho Theatre, but buy her album. You did? Yep. She's fantastic. Buy her album and generally follow her on Twitter and all the other mechanisms that you can follow her on except real life. Um, uh, she's wonderful. You may have seen her on Master of None or HBO's Crashing. Put your hands together for a partner, Nanchala. <laughs> So, Aparna. Hello. Hello. Um, have you felt like an outsider? I think I still feel like an outsider. Is that too vulnerable? No. no. There's nothing too vulnerable on the Guilty Feminist. Isn't that true, guys? Regular <laughs> listeners will... They've come for vulnerability. Oh, good. Yeah. So, honestly. we must deliver. <laughs> As a kid... Yes. Did you feel like an outsider? Well, I think that that's a lot of where the outsider sensibility starts, I think, when you're a child. And I was a very shy kid, and I think my mom had also been a shy kid, so she was worried about me. So she would, I think she was like, you're not going to be like me. So she would give me, like, challenges. Oh. Like, I remember she would make me practice ordering pizzas on the phone. Nice. (laughs) To be more. She sounds like my hero. Engaged with the world, yeah. That's how you start, just by ordering pizza. Yeah. yeah. My mum used to make me go to the corner shop and buy the thing, like whatever it was, like bread. Right, right, right. right. Just go just to practice in a safe space how to talk to no, other human true. beings. It's, yeah. You're being a citizen of the world. Just in a way that you can't get pregnant. Right, <laughs> yeah. If you got pregnant from ordering pizza, it'd be like, well, that's not even your fault at that point. <laughs> no. Well, it depends how hot is this delivery going. <laughs> so I feel if it's going to come to the door hot and fresh. Right. Hot and fresh from the kitchen. that is. Mama rolling my... Yeah. Every man in here wishing. That actually explains a lot of pornography. <laughs> what? That, a little bit of me doing 
No, it starts with pizza delivery. It starts with learning how to interact with the world. Oh, yeah, And ends with hot banging. That's like stereotypical porn, isn't it? The yeah. The pizza guy comes. There's a comedian, I think American comedian, Jen Kirkman, who says that like women, when they see like erotic and stuff, they need a story. Mm. And I feel like a lot of male pornography is a little bit weak on character development. <laughs> <laughs> And story arcs. Especially <laughs> the female characters, though. Yeah. Oh, like, sure. It's, it's like, bit, does it's, she even have a face? I don't that's the, that's Sometimes that's the same as HBO, though. It's We're, like no, the man has a more rounded character and the woman yeah. has less of a face. <laughs> Again, I don't watch porn or Game of Thrones, but right. I get that sense that people say that. And if you're about to get an HBO special, we can edit this out. <laughs> no, if I do, I won't have a face, so it'll be fine. <laughs> Just be the microphone. Yeah. Just yeah. the nose Just, yeah, down. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Uh, so we should talk about our challenges. Yes. Um, yeah. My challenge was I wanted to go somewhere where I was going to feel like an outsider. And I wanted to go into a place where there'd be other women, but I would really be the outsider. So I went to a pole dancing class. And I am not one of life's natural dancers. Like a ballet class or a dance, you know, like, no. So I found a place, it's called École de Pole. That's right. Because, no, yes, it is, a de Pole, because it rhymes and it's in two languages, I trusted it. And I turned up and I was genuinely nervous because I've not climbed a pole before and I know it's the women who do it are so fit and there's a lot of people who do it like athletically competitively I just thought okay let's just go there and I went in to the studio there were only four people in the class and you know like in a class of 12 or 20 you can hide and you just think oh I'll just be up the back the teacher said the easy poles are in the front row and I was the only one who went to the front row so it was like me it was like I was Beyonce and the other girls were my backup dancers because they were all behind me and I could see them in a mirror. Now, it really should have been the other way around because they looked like 17. They were all in like little shorts that were really small but somehow managed to have writing on the back, like H- Hollister or whatever on the back. And then they were in like little bra tops. Their midriffs were incredible, like abs, like just like you could grate cheese on. And I'm in the front row, on my own, in the middle of the front row. And I was wearing, like, my yoga top and a pair of old yoga pants, like, long trousers. And immediately one of the girls just climbed up the pole and spun around it. And the teacher said, it was beginners, it was beginners. And the teacher said, you're not a beginner. And she went, oh, I've done it a couple of times before. And I was like, oh, God. Anyway, then... She said, so the first thing you do is arms up straight, so like a pull-push movement, and you just jump on the pole, and your thighs grip it, and then you kick your your heels up to, she kept saying, your booty. And I was like, okay. So I tried and failed immediately. And uh, she went, oh, well, you really need to put your shorts on for this. I was like, I don't own shorts. Here or at home, I don't have shorts. Anywhere in the world, there are no shorts that belong to me legally. I would have to steal shorts. And she went, well, just roll your trousers up. Now, here's the thing. If you're already feeling like your thighs are four times the size of everyone else in the room, what doesn't help is rolling very thick lycra up and folding it over again and again and again. My thighs were like Popeye's arms. I was like, Jesus. And I just thought, I cannot do it. Like, they were tight, they were hot. I looked awful. They were really old and I thought, right, I'm just going to cut them off. So I just said to her, do you mind if I cut them off? She went, 
okay. And then there's a kitchen in the studio. So she went and got two pairs of scissors out and she said, cut them off with this. So I went into the loo, took them off and I was trying to cut them with these blunt scissors. They were like crap and it was just, they weren't cutting. They weren't cutting. And I could hear her out there saying to the others, this is a really easy technique. And they were all going, oh, that makes it so easy. And I was like, I'm missing it. I'm missing it. And they're like cutting and cutting and they just won't cut. And there's just like holes in them. So I had to put them back on because I didn't, I haven't had anything else to put on. And I'd come out and go, could I have a knife? And I had to pop back in with a bread knife, take the back on, hack it. I was hacking away, hacking away. And honestly, I was in there 10 minutes. I said, maybe I should just go. She said, no, 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 no. It's fine, it's fine. So then she was teaching me to do it and I just couldn't do it. And then eventually, finally, I broke through and I was able to just jump up, hold on with my thighs and then kick my ankles up to my booty. And she was like, great, great, great. Now we're going to do this. And she jumped on the pole, span around backwards till she landed on her knees. I was just like, no, I'm never going to be able to do that. Never, never. So I just had to kind of keep going along. And every time the other girls would do something, she'd just say to me, just do another fireman's pole. I have never done a fireman's pole. <laughs> she'd just say, do fireman's pole again. I'd go, it's never happened. Like spinning around. I was just like looking at the clock going, how long is this going to go on? Can I leave without hurting her feelings? What am I going to do? Oh God, I want to be out of here. But then she put this routine together and some of it was on the floor. Nice. And because and I do a lot of yoga, I could do the floor stuff. Like, I could push myself up from the floor. And I felt like I had an in. So I was like, right, I'm going to stay. So we put this routine together. And then she put this really loud music on and said, great, we're going to do it to music. And then I was doing the bits I could do and then just, like, not really doing the bits I couldn't do standing there. And I felt so out of it. Like, I just felt so outsider. So then she built it up a bit more and she said, we're going to do it again. And I thought, okay, the problem here is not that I can't do the whirly pole bits. The problem is how I feel. So I just thought to myself, you know in those movies like Miss Congeniality Mm. or Sister Act, the bad guys are coming and you just have to credibly be the thing you are or they're going to find you and kill you. And I thought, you're in a movie, you're in like a strip club where there's pole dancers, the bad guys are coming in, you've got into a costume, like a, you know, a sparkly leotard or something, whatever you wear, and you've been pushed out in high heels and if the bad guys realise you're not a real pole dancer, you're dead. So I thought, it doesn't matter if I'm doing what they're doing, as long as I'm doing something a pole dancer might do. (laughs) And I was just like, yeah, you know, you can leave your hat on. So when they would spin around backwards, I'd just do like a sexy sort of hold the pole and spin. And do you know what? What was weird about it? When I imagined I was a pole dancer, at one point I just jumped on the pole and I did the fireman's pole. Because I was like to do if I was good at this how would I be and it was amazing and I felt fantastic and at the end 
One of the other girls, she must have been filming because I hope not me. And uh, the teacher said, I really wish that I would have filmed my first class because you can see how far you've gone. You'll really regret not filming it. And I just said out loud, I will never regret not filming this. <laughs> like as long as I live, I'm never going to go, oh, I wish I had that on film. I wish there was a possibility of that slipping out onto YouTube. <laughs> and one of the other girls who was really sweet, she went, no, no, because you can see your progress. And I said, yeah, you can see your progress. If I were you, I would definitely want to film it. She went, oh, no, 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 I've been twice before. And she was doing all of these spins, and I was like, yeah, like in two times I'm going to be doing that. But the teacher was so encouraging to me. She said, no, and, and at one point I said to her, I think this might be for younger, smaller people. And she went, oh, no, I've got lots of students who are, and that sentence went so slowly, I've got lots of students who are, who are what, who are what? And then she went, not petite. And I was like, I'll take that. And she went, you've got to come back. So do you know what? I was able to bring it down to sort of three things. One is find out what people are wearing. Apparently it was on the website and I missed it. Get the right kit. Even if I'd hacked up old yoga pants at home, I'm not saying go and buy special stuff. You don't have any money or whatever. But whatever you're going into, just give yourself a little something to take. If I'd had shorts, I think it wouldn't have been such a bad start. I wouldn't have been hacking yoga pants apart for seven minutes in a loo with a bread knife. One. That's one thing. Two, find your own way in. My way in was, this is the bit I can do. I can do the yoga bit. And that made me feel better. And three, look for someone encouraging because the teacher encouraged me and the young woman behind me encouraged me and it was really lovely. And I also thought, as a teacher myself, I teach things. It's so good. If you teach anything, go out and learn something that is out of your comfort zone and remember what learning is like. It's so good to remember, to really make yourself an outsider occasionally if you've become comfortable in your space because it reminds you what it's like and it alerts you to include other people and to understand other people don't find what you find easy, easy. I'm sure there's lots of things I could do that those women would come to and go, I don't know how you do stand-up comedy, for example. So it's look around the room, who doesn't feel included and try and include them. That's what I think was my feminist takeaway. What I like a lot about that story is that to make yourself relax and get into it, you up the stakes to be like, what would this be like if I was going to die? I'm a big, I'm a big oh, fan of that. That was my other takeaway, actually. My other takeaway was just do it like a person who'd be good at it would do it. So if you're feeling like an outsider, what would an insider do? You don't have to do it like an outsider. That's what I was doing in the first time. Do you feel like that would stand up well, sometimes, Apana? I think like, it's that expression, fake it till you make it. Yeah. It's like... Maybe it's probably an American expression, knowing America. Um, we, have, we have that. Your president seems to be doing that at the moment. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's like if you're not qualified, just fake it. Welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. First time I really felt like an outsider, I was seven years of age. I went to a new school and the school had opened up. It had had its inaugural year, the year before I turned up. And my mother wanted to see how the school would go before she sent me. So she said, give it a year. Now what happens in that year is cliques form. Alliances are made. Lifelong friendships are begun. And then you enter 12 months later. Hey, I'm Deborah. Nobody's fucking interested. <laughs> 
like I was really bullied or anything. They just didn't really see me. I just wasn't in a gang. I didn't have any friends. So I had learned at Sunday school that God was your friend and that you could talk to him anytime. <laughs> they had said it in those words. God is your friend and you can talk to him anytime. So I thought, it's fine. I have a friend, um, God, and I will talk to him until I make some other friends. It seemed like a good interim measure. It's what we did before the internet. Before Google, we talked to God. <laughs> so I would talk to God and I was pretty happy, like, chatting to him. He was pretty taciturn, but, you know, like, pretty happy. But after a while, and there was kind of an age gap. Um, <laughs> Because I was seven and he was eternity. And that's... <laughs> when you're seven, you want someone... You're happy with someone who's six or someone who's eight, but that's sort of the parameters that you're comfortable with. And also, skipping was a really big thing at my school, and you need two friends to hold the rope. And God is one friend. And I guess there's Jesus. But it was never clear. At Sunday school, they used to say that God, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost were one person, but also three. I don't know if, when it comes to skipping, like, could God and Jesus hold the rope and the Holy Spirit do the jumping? I don't know. These are metaphysical questions that a seven-year-old should not be asking. God was not interested in holding the rope. So I wanted friends my own age, and I didn't really know how to go about getting them. And then one day, my teacher, the aptly named Miss Power... I honestly believe that she was named by Charles Dickens. He just popped in, named her, fucked off, back to Victorian times. She stood up, and it was an Australian primary school in a sort of small beach town, and she stood up and she went, right, girls, good news. There's going to be an inter-school dancing competition. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to be choosing the dancers. And I was so excited because I knew they, they, they told us four little girls were going to be chosen to wear spangly leotards and rise inappropriately to pop music. <laughs> I was seven years of age, and it was going to be a big thing. We'd go to visit other schools. We'd have dance-offs. So I was very excited. So I got home, and I was, like, practising and practising, because I was like, if I can get into the inter-school dancing troupe, then that is definite cool, definite friends. I mean, for a start, there'll be three other friends who'll have to go around with me in a bus, and we'll all be like, oh, I hope we win, and that's friendship. And so I was so excited. I was so, so, so excited. And then about two weeks later, Miss Power stood up again in front of the whole class and said, right, children, today, we're going to choose the girls for the inter-school dancing competition. All the blonde girls stand up. All the blonde girls stood up. And then she went, right, go and stand over there by that wall. And then she went down the wall, pointing, yo, 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 at the girls that she thought were the prettiest. And then she turned around, back to us and went, those three girls and Janine Henney. Now, Janine Henney had brown hair, but she was an awesome fucking dancer and she had trophies to prove it and it was at that point in my life that I realized that if you were brunette you needed a talent <laughs> I still obviously remember all the girls who were chosen for that you never forget do you, you never forget I did not go on to get any friends till I was invited to girls brigade which is a religious sort of girl guides and because I was, already had an in with God I was like <laughs> 
going over there. And I spent the rest of my childhood on girls' brigade camps praying in the bush. <laughs> but I was telling this story in a London theatre a few years ago. And as I was telling the story, somebody's face in the audience, I could see them just having this big reaction to this story really early on. And they were going, <gasps> and I looked at their face and I went, I, are, you, are you Joe? And she went, yes. And I went, you were chosen for the inter-school dancing competition, weren't you? And she said, she said, yes, I'm so sorry. I hadn't seen her in years. I honestly hadn't seen her in years. She just randomly, she'd seen on Facebook I was doing a show and she'd turned up. We went to the pub afterwards and I said to her, do you remember it? She went, oh yeah, of course, it was a really big deal, the inter-school dancing competition. Sure, sure, sure. And it was amazing. We had such good times. No, she didn't say it like that. And I said, do you remember all the blonde girls stand up? And she said... No, I don't remember that part. And her husband looked at her and said, of course you don't. Because the blonde girls don't remember that bit. And that's what privilege is. We edit out the bit. The reason we're standing up against the wall with a chance to be picked. What Joe will probably remember is that time the other girls in the bus wouldn't talk to her on the way to the inter-school dancing competition. She'll remember the time that they called her short or something else. That's the bit that she will remember. Because we all remember the bit where we were the outsider. Now, all I could think about was how old do I have to be until I can dye my hair blonde? Because I truly, truly believe that that would change my life. And for good reason. My teacher was a fascist. <laughs> it's a wonder all the brunettes weren't lined up and gunned down. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you now, what colour hair did Miss Power have in your imagination? She had brown hair. And that's because she'd always been an outsider. She had brown hair and she really did not look like a dancer. <laughs> she didn't think girls with brown hair deserved chances because she had clearly been an outsider herself. And honestly, there's that opportunity every day for people who feel like outsiders to make other people feel like outsiders. And that's what feminism is the antidote to. Thank you very much. it's Deborah from The Guilty Feminist. This Friday night, we will be in LA at the Improv Olympic, 23rd of June. If you would like tickets, go to ioimprov.com. That's ioimprov.com. Please come out and see us this Friday night in LA, 23rd of June. On the 26th of June, we'll be at the South Bank Festival in London. And on the 3rd of July, we'll be at King's Place. The theme on the 3rd of July will be intrepid women. So please come dressed as an intrepid woman. You can interpret this any way you like. You can come as a Ghostbuster. You can come as Beryl Malcolm. You can come as yourself in combat pants. You can come as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We don't mind as long as as many people as possible come dressed up and there will be a prize for costumes so please come along we're going to have a gospel choir the whole night's going to be about intrepid women and feminism it's going to be a brilliant brilliant evening and at the end of july we will be at the vodafone comedy festival in dublin uh, so please go to vodafonecomedy.com if you're in dublin or nearby and would like to see us there hope to see you at a live recording soon thanks so much bye Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. 
Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com um, So what I did, so I'm a, a backstory, I'm a massive nerd, and I'm a gamer, I play a lot of video games, and it's a very male-dominated space. I don't know if you've heard about that. <laughs> and basically, I play these online games, and you're playing with strangers on the internet, right? But you're all, like, mic'd up and connected. So it's the equivalent of all of us playing a game together, knowing we can all hear each other, not saying anything. Complete silence. That's what playing these games is like. Because people rarely talk on them because men are trash when they play video games. They're just abusive, they say horrible things, and sometimes you get into a game and someone's like, hey, do you like my nuts? Do you like my nuts? And I'm like, I don't know you. Or your nuts. And I've never seen your nuts. Um... <laughs> I don't want to get to a place where I can make a comment on your nuts. There's nothing here. But I realized, like, I'm one of many women who play video games. There's more of us than people think. And um, a lot of the age range, especially now, is quite young. They, they age in quite young women playing video games, more so than any other group amongst women. So I challenged myself to be brave and to, like, talk on mic. Because I think if I were playing a game and when I hear another woman say something, I'm like, oh, let's be friends, let's be in a team, let's communicate and actually win this game. I love winning. Uh, so what I did over the past month or so is I've started making comments on the game, like, oh, hey, that was a good shot. Nice move. Or I'll be like, oh, hey, everybody, if you all get on the point, you've got to get on the point to win the game. Any Overwatch fans in? No nerds? <laughs> no big deal. I know what it's like to be an outsider. <laughs> so I'll play this game, and I started speaking up. And then slowly after time, sometimes you get guys like saying, like, oh, are you a girl? Are you a girl? Are you a girl? And I was like, why is this an issue? So I go silent at those points. But I kept doing it anyway, regardless of what the dudes were saying or, like, chipping in to say. And eventually, it started happening. Like, women started responding to that. And now I have, like, a team of five women who've added me just from me saying, yeah. shoot better. <laughs> and what's really exciting about it to me is that some of them are quite young. So there's, like, this 16-year-old girl that I'm friends with now. That's weird. But, um... <laughs> So now we're friends, and she tells me about, like, her day, and, like, she told me this story the other day that really made me happy that I had become friends with her. Because she said, oh, I was at school, and we had to do, like, a class where you have to give a talk, so learning about public speaking. And she loves video gaming, so she talked about video gaming to an audience, much like this, who don't really play video games very much. And she was really nervous, and there was a question-and-answer session with the teachers, and one of her male teachers asked her, do you feel like you're not part of the culture because you're a girl who plays video games? And I was furious at this teacher... And she told me this story, and I was a bit nervous about the language I used. And I said, oh, what did you say? She's like, well, out loud, I didn't say anything. But in my head, I said, fuck you, man. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, she's, she's the greatest. So, yeah, I think my challenge was to speak up in a space where I'm inherently an outsider. So I could gather all the other outsiders, and we could be best friends for life and Reverse kill the game. Gamergate. Reverse Gamergate. Yeah. Never. Yeah. I love it. Um, some women report that they feel like being in feminism is like being at somebody else's school reunion and that they don't feel fully included in feminism and that's a real issue because feminism is itself... Basically, feminism is a sign that says we're outsiders and we would like to be insiders. That's what feminism is. Do you feel we're inclusive enough in feminism at Parna or what can we do to make people feel more included in feminism? Hmm. That's a good question. I feel like, I don't know if this exists here, but I feel like in the States there's a lot of calling some things white feminism, where it's like sometimes race and class are sort of implied in certain types of feminism, and then 
a lot of times women of color or like women who are maybe in a different, more underprivileged class. Yeah, 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 are excluded. So I think sort of broadening the definition of what exactly your feminism may look like is like a start, but I think it's also just not assuming people's, I don't know, like what is their reason for showing up there is like, it's better to let people explain themselves than to sort of put a meaning on everyone before really hearing their story. Mm, yeah. That's a really good point, actually. Mm. Sorry, I, I should have said that at the top. What's your story? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think the key is um, just chat more, isn't it? Yeah. It's <laughs> more chats. I think so, yeah. yeah. I think just a lot of it is chatting. just listening to people. I'm certainly bringing chat to feminism. That's I can't. <laughs> the stage, the wonderful, the only Bisha K. Alley. Hello. It's lovely, lovely, lovely. This is my dream thing to do. It's so nice that you're all here. I want to talk to you about being an outsider. Uh, I don't know if you can tell, but I was a loser when I grew up before it was cool. I was a massive nerd. And I think also I was an outsider for a number of reasons that aren't funny, but are true. Um, so my race, I don't know if you've, like, I'm, I'm not a white person. Uh, my race made me an outsider. I grew up in a very white area. Uh, my parents raised me a Muslim, but they sent me to Catholic school. Because um, they're not fans of um, joy. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard of that. And uh, all my friends, or well, all the people who were friends in my head one day in the future, uh, had very different body types to me. I was always self-conscious about my weight. My parents were always like, you're a fat child. And I was like, ooh, all right. Uh, <laughs> that escalated. Um, <laughs> So I would do things that a lot of outsiders end up doing to find camaraderie and friendship and love. Uh, I went on the internet in the 90s when it was a jungle. Uh, so I'm going to tell you a story of what being an outsider <laughs> pushed me towards doing and what I hope no one with a 15-year-old child ever has to think about their child doing. So I was 15 years old. Don't worry, I worked out fine. I'm totally together now. You can tell. So I was 15 years old. Um, and I've been told that I'm brown, so no one's going to like me. I've been told that I'm fat, so no one's going to like me. And I had this thing with my weight stuck in my head. That no boy's ever going to like me because I'm fat. And at that time, I only thought about liking boys because sexual awakening was a few years off. <laughs> so what I did, like any smart child, is I went on the internet. And I went on a video gaming forum. <laughs> and I found a guy online. The first red flag should have been his screen name. Right? His screen name was MysteriousWolf89. <laughs> Second red flag is he misspelled mysterious. He missed out the U, so it was just mysterious wolf 89. <laughs> and I wanted him to know everything about me, everything that I was self-conscious about. So my screen name was chubbycat12. <laughs> All the information was shared. So we did it. On Valentine's Day, I told my parents that I'm going to an all-girls anti-Valentine's Day sleepover. <laughs> I'm a genius. What's amazing to me is that they bought it knowing I had no friends. <laughs> oh, little, like, child me was just like, thank you, mummy. Thank you for that all. So I snuck out of the house. I went to Waterloo Station. There's a clock tower in the middle of the station. And if you've seen it, and I stood underneath it, and I bought new clothes from New Look, because it's all it was like, I felt cool, I felt trendy. And this guy turns up late. My brain starts going, he's not going to like me because I'm fat. He's not going to like me because I'm fat. All I wanted was a boy to touch my face. Because that's what love is. <laughs> right? Like, I'm married and I still believe that to be true. 
He turns out 10 minutes late. About 20 minutes into this date, he looks me up and down and says, you know what, I'm going to go home. And I'm heartbroken. I don't hear from him for weeks. At first I think, oh, maybe he's just being mysterious. <laughs> Not at all. But he comes online on MSN Messenger and I'm hype. Like, this is going to happen, it's going to kick off. He sends me a message, he says, Chubby Cat 12, I need to tell you something. I was like, oh, you do love me. <laughs> and I need to tell you, you're way, way more Indian looking than I expected. And I was so happy. Because <laughs> thank God it's the color of my skin and not my sexy, sexy body. <laughs> so yeah, being an outsider it makes you think about the world a little bit differently, makes you think about things around you. One thing that I found recently in the past few weeks, summer is here, right? Everybody enjoying summer? Yeah, there's some reluctance. Those who are reluctant, you are my people. I hate summer and I feel like this makes me an outsider constantly. The thing I hate about summer is it means that I have to carry more clothes with me. And when I say that, people will get a bit confused, like, why are you carrying more clothes around with you? And it's like, it's so that when I stand up from a seat, I can cover... <laughs> I'm telling you, my butt sweats, guys. <laughs> and it hurts my feelings. I know that I'm talking about the weather and like, oh my gosh, well, we always talk about the weather, but I feel like talking about how we always talk about the weather is the new talking about the weather. <laughs> So my bad. Um, so yeah, I've always been an outsider, but something that I wanted to say about this week in particular is that the more of us that are outsiders, like if you just make outsider, 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 there's enough outsiders to become the insiders. And I think this week, we kind of made history. More than 200 women were elected into parliament. That's history. So we did it. We're insiders now. So thanks, guys. <laughs> story in your stand-up which mm -hmm. I just I can't stop thinking about <laughs> which is about a time when you were at a drama class in LA mm -hmm. I loved that story so much and I was like oh my god this is the ultimate outsider story right 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 no it was just a beginner's actor class every week we would sort of tackle different elements of the acting industry and I think one week it was like figuring out what your type was and so we went around the room, and for each person, you were supposed to name actors or actresses who they reminded you of. I think I was already worried as soon as I knew what the exercise was. As that sounds like hell. Like, well, I think for anyone, yeah. it would be scary, but there were a lot of very attractive people in my class. I think it's like a lot of people end up in acting classes because someone's like, your face, you should be... <laughs> you should be on a bigger screen for me to look at it. Uh, and it's like, forget if they actually can act or not. But uh, so there are a lot of people like that in my class. So it was kind of like they already knew they were going to be fine. And then I was sort of like, well, my face is sort of a thing I try to work past. So, uh, so I think it sort of happened like that, where it was like there was a very good-looking guy, and people were like, you know, John Hamm or like Ryan Reynolds. And then it got to like an attractive girl, and it was like Amy Adams or Christina Hendricks. She had like red hair. And then it got to me, and I was like, oh, you know, it's there's got to be at least a couple options at this point. It's like 2015. Like there's one or two. So. I, <laughs> It got to me, and then I think the first one was like, uh, a chick from the office? Like, you know, and people are like, we know who you're talking about. But I was like, she has a name. She's a person. Um, but I was like, yeah, that's great. She's talented. I'll take it. Um, I'm going to take that one, put it in my back pocket. And then I think 
there was just like a long silence after that. And I was like, that's fine. Let's just keep going. And then someone was like, Aziz, I'm sorry. And I was like, "Mm, pretty sure that's a man. Uh, (laughs) With a beard. But I was like, you know what? I can wear a beard. Um, It's fine. It'll make it work. Um, He has a high-pitched voice. So uh, it was like... You know, and then I was like, that's two, that's enough. It was like, and then someone just yelled out, science. I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, just science, like science, like doc, medicine, science. And I was like, that's not a person. That's an entire field of knowledge. Um, but then the worst part was the, the other people were just like, oh, yeah, I see that. <laughs> I was like, what do you see? What are you, what? And that those were my three. That's an extraordinary thing, though, that they would look at you and go, oh, sort of, basically, they're saying science roles because you're Asian. Yes, yes, so, yes, yes, yeah. yes. Or you say South Asian in America? Yeah, yeah, South yeah. Asian, you're mm-hmm. South Asian. So, therefore, you're just going to play science people. Right. It's just extraordinary. That's extraordinary. Do you we feel do, that? We do. Do, do you I ever, feel do you, Asian? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm asking you. Do you get that in castings did, here? Do you ever get that? Uh, I did have this thing where sometimes if I'm on a bill, like another act who maybe I don't know that well will be like, oh, hey, 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 how are you? And I'll be like, oh, sure, pretend, you know, pretend. I was like, oh, hey, nice to see you. He's like, yeah, I geeked with you the other night. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not. It's like, oh, you're not Shappy. <gasps> yeah, I get Shappy. I look nothing like Shappy, but I get like, are you the Iranian one all the time? Yeah, And I'm like, she's doing so much better than me. Uh, For sure, I'm not. So my friend Cyrus Lowe, who's an amazing actor, and he was just in St. Joan at the Donmar Warehouse. He's fantastic. He wrote an article for the stage called Confusing Me with Another Black Actor is No Laughing Matter. It really made me feel bad as a white person to kind of, you know, that joke of like, oh, is it Morgan Freeman or is it like, you know, my neighbor? And it's like, it's not, what? Like, fucking look at their face. Like, don't do that. Don't just go black and that's it. At one point, he was at the National Theatre, just there to see a thing, I think, and was mistaken for one of the leads in Armadeus. And he was like, we are nothing alike. And he was like, please, please, basically saying, please, white people. Look at how do you tell each other apart? You look at hairlines, you look at eyebrow shape and size. Could you please do the work and look at our faces like that and not yeah. just go Asian, black? Like, yeah. Uh, you know, because like me and, me and her look no, nothing alike, never gig together. There's no way. Like our faces are very different faces. <laughs> <laughs> question about yep what on earth are we going to do about the DUP <laughs> Bisha uh, what are we going to do about the DUP Connor and I both feel like you're super political and should take this one um, <laughs> I want to make it funny but I also feel so sad I don't know what we're going to do aside from shout a lot and do more of the marching and make sure that they know that this is not okay I know I made jokes about Tories earlier but in all seriousness, looking at those centrist and slightly left-leading Tories and being like, you guys need to make noise within your party and be like, we do not stand for this. I think that's what we've got to do. And I think also we just got to stick together. I think there's been a huge movement on the left. We've done so much more. We surprised everyone. We surprised absolutely everyone. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. I'm pretty sure that Theresa May is going to go and then whoever takes over is going to want a majority. So they're going to roll the dice and have another general election. And 75% of young people voted. And I reckon we could push that to 95. Also, more people are going to turn 18 between now and the next election. So I reckon we'll have another election by the end of the year. And we really will drive every woman to the polls, every 18-year-old. We'll all drive somebody. 
or take them there on the tube or by the hand or whatever we need to do. <laughs> and we will, we will get labour in because I think we've seen the possibility now. When something's so far away, it's almost like, oh, but now it's like so close. And what are you going to do about your political situation? Yeah. How are you going to... Oh, wow. <laughs> Thank you so much for asking me. I was very ready for that question. Um, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I think a lot of us have been following the whole like Russia Gate, Comey hearing situation, hoping that something will break open. But I think we're at the point where it's like Trump could, you know, sprout wings and we'd just be like, well, that's what he does. Um, <laughs> like, it, I think it, it is sort of past the point of like logic. So I think it is sort of like, well, hopefully one day someone will just be like, okay, that's enough. Let's move on. But I think for now, it's like doing the same things that you do when you're trying to initiate change. It's like calling your representatives, going to protests, like just staying active is better than sort of just getting demoralized and hopeless for the future. I think at least doing things makes you feel empowered. You were saying in your show you do call your representatives. That's a big Mm -hmm. thing in America, isn't it? Like here we'd have to go to the surgery or we'd have to write old school letters and have owls deliver them Hogwarts style. Um, I like that better. I feel like Americans have too short attention spans to write letters. Do you actually really ring up? And what do you say when you ring up? I mean, a lot of times people send scripts around. They're like, just say this if you don't know what else to say. Oh, they sent you a script? Why yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm a very socially anxious person, so they'll be like, just say this and then hang up. <laughs> For the record, that's how I've dealt with every relationship to date. Yeah. Just, just say this. Hang, hang up. up. Get out yeah. of Dodge. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great idea. I might start ringing up more, except my MP is Keir Starmer. So yeah, and I don't, already I don't have good minutes. <laughs> Oh, you mean I have your to phone pay package? for my phone, yeah. Listen, you can borrow mine anytime you need to call. And that's feminism. That's... Use my minutes, bitches. I may have called back bitches there. I've actually... See, that's how it slips out. Use my minutes, bitches. That's feminism. If you are in a seat that you have an MP that you want to talk to, by all means. Thank you. Yeah. I'm... We did We did labour in my old... We got, got in our Ruth Cadbury, who I voted for, not just because she's labour, but because she has a chocolate-related name. <laughs> Like I'm in. But what if the local, like, UKIP candidate was called Curly Whirly or... It would be a hard day for me. It would me. be... <laughs> like, that's a, maybe a way forward to get the Democrat yeah. to be, like, You guys had better candidates. I heard you yes. had Lord Buckethead. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. Fish yeah, finger fish guy. finger. Yeah. Do you don't hear? hesitate, it's We correct. have some, but they don't make it as far. <laughs> <laughs> that is... It's a great British tradition to have these eccentric... It's so great. Isn't it great? Yeah. It does make election night more fun. Yeah, and totally. But also... <laughs> I didn't hear... Oh, you have one as your... Oh, yes. One we of your... Have... Mr. Fishfinger slipped through. I mean, yeah, no, it's true. Lord, but Lord Buckethead is more popular than probably any politician yeah, totally. in this country. Yeah. Probably yes. with the exception of Jeremy Corbyn, who now... Because he surprised everybody. Like, I have to admit, and I'm going to say this officially, I joked with Jess Phillips about Jeremy Corbyn on this show and was like, oh, can we not just throw him a goodbye party and then just be like, when he comes in, surprise him and be like, goodbye. And now I feel really bad because actually he showed me that he could do it. Like, he got on stage with the Libertines, he connected with the young people, and he did it. And I'm sorry, whoever tweeted me going, don't talk shit about Jeremy Corbyn, he's awesome. You were right. I was wrong. I am down with the Corbyn. 
Can I also just say you should all follow Lord Buckethead on Twitter. Is, is Lord well, Buckethead on Twitter? He has like a dope oh, Twitter really? following. Oh. He has like high quality lounge shots of him just Lord Bucketing around. It's great. Good time. If you could have one person running your country right now, who would it be, Apana? Mm, let's see. That's a good question. I would, I would go back to Hillary. I would, I'm going like go to go back to Hillary, Hillary. Yeah. yeah. I would really like to go back to Hillary. I feel like a lot of people feel like they made a mistake by not coming out to vote for Hillary. I like, think a lot of people still have a lot of animosity towards her, but I think considering as far as politicians go, like, they're all flawed. Like, she's, you know, flawed, but so are the rest of them. Like, I think it's a false equivalency to be like, but she's so corrupt. But it's like, our current president basically is trying to cancel the entire planet. (laughs) (laughs) So so true. Follow The Guilty Feminist on Twitter, at guiltfempod. Check out our Instagram, instagram.com forward slash theguiltyfeminist. Like our Facebook page, sign up to our mailing list to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. And please go to iTunes and rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to find the podcast. And give it five stars. And you can also, you can review every episode. So don't think I've done it once. Review it every week. Um, have you got anything you'd like to plug, Aparna? I have a website. Pretty advanced. Um <laughs> It's just my name, aparnacomedy.com. Aparnacomedy.com. And then we can check out all your gigs. Are you touring? I'm back in the States for a while, but um, hopefully people listen to to this in America. And also you're coming to Dublin. We're going to be in Dublin together. Oh, yes, at the end of July. End of July. We're going to both be in Dublin. Uh, So check that out. I saw a child being bullied on, uh, actually on your Twitter, little South Asian American girl. And they were making her spell Kofifi. Yeah. And then it was like on Fox. And basically she'd won the National Spelling Bee and then they'd gone around to spell Kafifi. Yeah, yeah, it was like her post-win interview. But then they were like, they said something really mean. Well, they said something like, oh, well, you're probably more familiar with Sanskrit or something terrible. We're just just like, that's not even current racism. I totally read that as when the story started you were like oh I saw a child being bullied on your Twitter I was like Aparna <laughs> oh yeah 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 I You're thought that too I, I was were. like who have I bullied lately <laughs> I was just like oh yeah and by the way before you go you bully children <laughs> you have been listening <laughs> Bishake Ali what do you have to plug I have um, a Twitter at Bishake Ali I have a website but I rarely like update it <laughs> Um, but also look at it. Because <laughs> then, like, I can see the stats so that I know people love me. Um, I so I have a Twitter. Sorry, I'm making this really slow and tedious for you all. Uh, I have a Twitter, at Bishop K. Ali. Uh, I'm doing a bunch of shows uh, very soon and some previews of a show that I'm working on. It'd be cool if you guys came down because it's, like, a really earnest story but also funny and sad and a good time. So come and see those. Those are in London. You can find out about them on my <laughs> website, which I will <laughs> update shortly. So, yeah, that's what I'm up to. I'm doing a thing called the Timepiece podcast season. 
Timepiece is a time banking skill sharing app to connect local people with refugees. And so on The Guilty Feminist, we're going to have a refugee that we find through the Timepiece app who's going to come and tell us their stories, also on Global Pillage and other people's great podcasts. And you can get involved if you've got a podcast or you'd like to start a podcast. You'll be able to register at the Timepiece podcast season and find a guest through the app. And we're also commissioning two brand new podcasts, International Dish with Ned Sedgwick from Global Pillage, who's going to learn how to cook uh, from refugees and hear their stories through the medium of food and also National Treasure in which National Treasure celebrities are going to trade National Treasures like songs and poems with refugees and we're going to hear about their National Treasures so like for example what's the Syrian Hey Jude that we don't even know about or you know the Iraqi They Fuck You Up Your Mum and Dad Philip Larkin poem there must be those things and we want to hear about them and trade them so those podcasts are coming out in the autumn and please get behind the timepiece podcast season it's being produced by the Spontaneity Shop and we are super excited about it you have been listening to the Guilty Feminist with me Deborah Francis White guest co-host Kisha Kayali and a very special guest Anna Manchurla recording engineer was Chris Sharp music was by Mark Hodge Thanks to Tony and Hannah at PBJ Live and everyone at Soho Theatre, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com. If you're not from here, we don't like the DP. Deborah? Deborah? Yes? Let's do this, mate. Let's do connection. Okay, so what, what do you want me to do? Then I can't... Th- she can't have freedom. <laughs> what is with free- you people? <laughs> I need freedom of movement. I, we've already had Brexit. <laughs>